0: This is, wait, what? Politics with Zuma and Steele. Wait, what? Is your political recap. We'll tell you who's making news and what it means to liberals and progressives everywhere. And we'll interview the newsmakers that make it happen. So from the nation's capital, here's reporter Jimmy Zuma. And from the great state of Arizona, here's Senator Victoria Steele.
1: Hi and welcome to another fun-filled and scintillating episode of Wait What? Politics with Zuma and Steel. I'm Jimmy Zuma in the nation's capital. And I'm
2: Victoria Steele in sunny Tucson, Arizona. We've got a lot of things to talk about today, but the other day, Jimmy, I was taking a walk and, and I called up Jimmy and, and started talking to him saying, hey, um, you know, here's what, what are we going to do for the next show? And we had no idea we were just sort of going i don't know and, and then i just started talking about something else altogether not a show idea but it turned out that's the show idea because i was bummed out i had been in the car with a friend and this is my campaign manager so i mean <laughs> you know I, i'm of course running for state senate and so I'm actually in the car with somebody that knows a lot about politics and about how this all works and she starts telling me I'm getting ready to you know get myself psyched up to make a speech and and she just comes out and says Victoria we Trump is not going to be impeached he's just not I do not believe that he's going to be impeached and she's a democrat and she's saying this and I'm going what? You can't say that. And, and she said, well, you know, he, he's not. He's not going to be impeached. The Senate will not impeach him. That will make him stronger. He will get reelected. We will have more of Trump. And I just said, no, I, I refuse to believe that. I refuse to accept that. I can't even think about the possibility of that happening. I, 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 my mind will not go there. And I, you know, this, this just, I can't believe. And then three other people in the course of, of just a few days had been saying the same things to me. And it's that this certainty that they have. And when we went to that event where I was going to be speaking, I was sort of chiding my friend. And I said, yeah, she thinks that Trump is not going to get impeached and he is going to be reelected. And, and they, there was like five people there, all Democrats, and all said, "Yeah, we're pretty sure that's going to happen." I was like, "Oh my god, people, so stop! Just <laughs> friggin' stop! I refuse to hear this. Do not talk like that. That is not okay." And and you, you just just do please do not just lay down and roll over and just say. Okay this is this is a foregone conclusion it's going to because if you do that it will happen mm-hmm. and you cannot do that and and stop it just stop it now <laughs> i was so mad and and i just you, you you have a choice here and one of the only things that we have power over is our attitude if we decide that this is okay then that's what will happen if we decide this is not okay then we might just be able to change it but if we don't decide that we're going to try to change it we're going to just accept this bad news then then we have have walked into this place that that I call learned helplessness learned helplessness is is, is a psychological uh, theory brought about by um i think it's martin seligman and he was uh, or is a a psychologist um out of the university of pennsylvania and he developed this theory of learned helplessness and it's basically if if you have a dog or an animal that is in a cage, and that animal is, is hurt or shocked with an electric probe or something. That and and I'm not talking about doing unethical animal studies, but this is just what we have found. If this is happening, you take the the after a long time of that treatment, you take the cage away, and the dog is free to leave. The dog will not leave. He will stay because he's learned to be helpless. And then there's the Stockholm Syndrome, where, where people um, start really believing that their tormentor or their, their terrorist that has, has been holding them captive will continue to do that, even when you have a chance to run and, and be out from under that tyranny, that, that torture, that you're likely to stay because you've learned that you are helpless. And I think that's what I'm seeing. I, you know, I don't want to say that about my friends, but I think that's <laughs> what I'm seeing. They have been so disappointed and so depressed since Trump got elected in 2016 that they cannot see the possibility of it being any different. And they're just willing to maybe accept it. I cannot tolerate that, I cannot tolerate that. It's just not, no, mm-mm, not happening. Well,
1: I think today we can pretty well disprove what they're thinking. I think we can. I think we have evidence here that says that that kind of thinking is wrong. But I want to ask you a question. Yeah. What are the sort of the political space of those people? Are they liberals, moderates?
2: Uh, Every one of them are more on the um, moderate side and and I'm I'm very progressive I'm very, I'm quite liberal I live in Tucson it's the little island of blue in a sea of red called Arizona so um, I'm very progressive but I'm also just by my nature a very positive thinking human being I I always the glass full person
1: Good for you good for you <laughs> I'm that way too but that's what I find is moderates are the most afraid and, you know, moderates, particularly people who've been around politics for a long time, they have this whole idea that we're going to repeat the George McGovern-Nixon race, where we put up a liberal and the rest of the country wasn't ready for that. And, um, and and we lost badly. But this is a different time. I'll tell you, this is a different time. And, it, and the polls certainly show it. Together, Elizabeth Warren and Bernie Sanders have many more uh, supporters than... So uh, back in 72, it was a totally different country than it is now. Now, uh, Joe Biden and Elizabeth Warren have are Elizabeth Warren and Bernie Sanders have many more votes than Joe Biden does. There are many more liberal votes and he's or more progressive pro- votes. He is in more the Democratic Party now. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, just look at how many older people have died since 1972. Probably half. <laughs> you know our population's yeah, sure. probably turned over by half since then
0: yeah. um
1: and it's a different time back then people were debating whether black people should be equal mm. back then they weren't debating whether you know gay gay people lgbtq people deserved equal rights you know there were so many things that were different about that time and that space the other thing is we had uh, active political groups some of which were you know destructive that hurt the liberal cause um and there was a big backlash to, to it, which elected Richard Nixon. But that's not the case now. The backlash is towards Donald Trump. So all of the polling, you know, looking at the national polls now, not only does Joe Biden beat Donald Trump, Elizabeth Warren does, uh, Bernie Sanders does, Pete Buttigieg does, in some places, Camilla Harris does. But um, how do
2: we know that we can? We can, uh, you know. I mean, I've 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 got a background in some statistics from school, but I don't really. Um, it's not my thing. It's not where my brain goes. So <laughs> tell me, tell me about the polls. Tell me why should we believe the polls?
1: Well, the polls are generally accurate, and in two th- two thousand sixteen, people like to say the polls weren't accurate. We were totally surprised by it, but. Within the margin of error, the polls were accurate in counting voters. They just didn't predict an electoral college loss. And that's one thing about 2016. The other thing about 2016 is it's the only election we've had in our history, including 2018, where Democrats routed Republicans. In 2016 is the only election we've had in our history where the Russians broke into all 50 states' election systems. You know, we thought for a long time it was 26 states, because that's what we learned from Reality Winner, who's now in prison for telling Americans that news. But we've later learned uh, in the last six months that it was all 50 states were broken into. And that when people at that time said they didn't think anything was changed, they were just covering. They hadn't looked. They didn't even know. A lot of these people didn't know until they heard Reality Winner was arrested for making this statement. So... Hmm. You know two things were different one is it's a different time um we have experience with trump now and the other is that the russians invaded our electoral system and then of course they had the big social media presence on top of that but in 2018 they weren't able to break into all of our electoral systems and the polls were right so the polls were basically right in 2016 they were right before that, they were right in Barack Obama's elections, and they were right in 2018. There's really no reason to believe they're not right now.
2: And the polls show the polls show that the middle or that the, the top um, contenders of the Democrats, all, every single one of them, the polls show that Trump
1: loses. Right. And those are national polls. And those are also state polls. Trump is losing badly in Pennsylvania, which is a must win state for him. He's losing in Ohio. Um, He's basically within the margin of error winning in Iowa. And um, he's within the margin of error winning in Arizona. Uh, That's the states we have good polling on so far. Uh, We don't have Wisconsin, which will be another key state for him to win. But I would expect that, you know, Wisconsin will basically follow the nation and feeling um, that Trump's not an effective president. The other thing has happened is that more than 50% of Americans now support impeaching and removing Trump from office. Now, obviously, they are people who will not vote for him either way. Either way, if they support impeaching him, they will not vote for him. And 50% is, of course, that magic number. 39%, Thirty nine percent, I think, is the president's ceiling. Thirty nine or forty percent.
2: So you're saying? Are you saying? Is it? What I don't want to do is be a Pollyanna and give false right. hope. I really right. do not want to give false hope. I, I believe in 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 seeing reality, seeing it for what it is, figuring out what the hell can we change, and if the only thing I can change is my attitude, then then okay, I'll work there, but. I don't want to just go on. Okay, this is because I really, really want it really bad, and but the polling and everything else does not. There's no facts that substantiate my my optimistic outlook here. Um, but you're saying that there is. There's reason to be hopeful. There's reason to be positive, and and there certainly is not ample reason to be pessimistic about this. You're right. saying that possibly. It, that that it looks like he could be impeached? The Senate might yes. actually do that?
1: And try, I do think that's true. And I think we're seeing, see, I'm coming from the benefit of having lived through and studied Watergate very carefully. I keep on my bookshelf a set of Watergate transcripts uh, from the congressional hearings. I, I'm just looking at them right now. <laughs> I'm, a, I, I'm a Watergate nerd. <laughs> I am a Watergate nerd. Thank you, Terry's mom, for for stealing them from a government printing office where you worked your whole career. Oh
2: my God. You just got somebody in so
1: much trouble. <laughs> so that I young adult man with no money could have a set.
0: Oh,
1: no. oh my God. That's amazing. <laughs> but, I wondered how you so, got those. <laughs> um, but anyway, the point is things are happening. Things are going forward with impeachment just exactly as they did there in the Trump administration. It starts out. There's nothing here. There's nothing here. There's nothing here. And, not, and then even if there was something here, you know, Trump is saying the same thing as Nixon. Even if there's some, there was something here, I'm the president and it's okay if I do it. And then there's a little more realization. Things begin to pile up. Deep throat begins talking to the Washington post, just like all the leakers we have now. And have a bunch
2: of deep throats.
1: Yeah. 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 We got so many deep throats that, you know, we should open a ear, nose and throat clinic. I don't know. (laughs) But uh, Anyway, um, and then after that, somebody testifies. And that somebody was yesterday. Yesterday, William Taylor, who was um, a a lifelong State Department employee, testified for nine hours um, in a closed hearing and basically laid out the quid pro quo. Now, if you don't know who William Taylor is, he is the guy from the text messages we learned about a few weeks ago. He's the guy that said... Do you mean that we're making this conditional on giving Trump his investigation of the Bidens? That doesn't seem right. Is that what we
2: want to be doing? Yeah,
1: yeah. And then it turns out he's got the rest of the story. Even just from his, we don't have his testimony yet, but just from his 15 page uh, opening statement, it's clear that he knows where all the bodies are buried and he told them. And that's being started to be confirmed by other State Department employees who are in fact defying the White House to come testify before Congress. The State Department may be the heroes of this whole thing, the career employees at the State Department.
2: We need some, we are desperate for some heroes. And I think they're coming up.
1: Yeah, so here's what the result of that has been. If you notice, the senators have been very quiet. But a few statements they've made in the last few days, um, first off, they were all really disturbed by Trump's uh, abandonment of the Kurds and his cut and run attitude about Syria. Mm -hmm. Um, and across the board condemned him for that in a way that they never would have before. And then Trump said that Mitch McConnell endorsed his, um, his Syria policy and said it was a great idea. Well, just today, Mitch McConnell came out and said, I never had that phone call. I don't remember talking to him about this or saying what he said I said. Mitch McConnell? Mitch McConnell. That's Mitch McConnell. He just kind of threw Trump under the bus, didn't he? He did. He did. Senator John Thune, which is the Republican number three Senate Republican, just called William Taylor's testimony very disturbing. Disturbing is the word that he used. And the rest of the Republican senators are basically nowhere to be found at this point. They're laying low. They're keeping their powder dry. And they're in the process of trying to figure out Am I better off supporting Trump or dumping Trump? So, you know, we already have enough votes in the in the House to impeach him. The Senate seems to be cracking. That is interesting. Yes. That is interesting. I'm, I'm watching what's
2: happening in, in Arizona with our senators, and I have no confidence that either one of them, even the Democrat, is going right. to... Um, <sighs> Help us out here.
1: <laughs> uh, Kristen Cinema is a problem for later. She's a yeah, okay. Democrat right now. And what we need is more Democrats in the Senate. So yes. we'll hang on to her, you know, but she is really out Republicaning Joe Manchin, who is the senator from West Virginia, who's always been the one to vote with uh, Republicans over and over and over. And she uh-huh. has taken on the role of the uh, most Republican Democrat in the Senate. Um, I, I agree with you. I don't think either one of them, certainly Martha McSally, will not vote to impeach and she won't vote to impeach either. Um, she may not have to. Enough Republicans may may um, break that that won't be necessary. But to me, impeachment looks more likely now, or impeachment is a foregone conclusion, particularly after this last testimony. Removal from office looks more likely now than it has looked in any time. And this is also a parallel to the, uh, to the Watergate situation. When Watergate happened, senators began to broke, break ranks privately from Nixon. Then um, the leaders in the Senate counted those defections. They walked over to the White House and said, if we have a vote, you're going to be impeached. We don't have enough people to support you to keep you in office. So the best thing you can do is resign.
2: So you think we're getting there?
1: I think we're close. I think mm-hmm. we're within, I would say, 60 days, maybe, of that happening. You know, it's wow. hard to say. Every impeachment the is end different. Of the year, Certainly, Bill Clinton's impeachment for a trivial matter was uh, very different from this impeachment and from Nixon's impeachment. Yeah. Uh, and that's another piece of myth- mythology. People draw lessons from Bill Clinton's impeachment. And this is where your friends are coming from saying afterwards, if he's not removed from office, he'll be empowered. Well, Bill Clinton was empowered because he was impeached for what virtually all Americans agreed was a trivial matter. Even if they didn't like it, that he had an affair and that he fibbed about it under oath, he fibbed under oath about it. uh, Even if they didn't like that, they realized it was a far too trivial matter to have an impeachment. That's not something that Trump benefits from. Trump's the parallel to Trump's impeachment is Watergate.
2: Yeah, it, 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 Trump's um, the, what he's doing is is not trivial. Could never ever be considered trivial. And 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 his use of calling the use of the word lynching to describe mm-hmm. what's happening to him is just outrageous. That's just disgusting.
1: Yeah. So the polls have a good record, a better record than people give them credit for in both election and impeachment. And the polls are clearly saying in both election and impeachment that Americans are tired of Trump and want him to go. And these two things have synergy with each other. If somebody won't reelect Trump, they're more likely to vote for impeachment. And if somebody votes for impeachment, they are very unlikely to vote for Trump in the general election.
2: So what do I tell my friends when they say he's going to be impeached or he's not going to be impeached he's not going to be removed from office and he's going to get reelected he will be stronger than ever and we will have more Donald Trump what do i say to them that doesn't make it sound like i'm just wishing and hoping that they're wrong
1: Well, you don't have to wish and hope they were wrong. All the evidence points to the fact that they are wrong. I think you say to them, you have to rely on evidence. You can't just rely on your fear. You can't just say what happened in the Clinton impeachment will happen in the Trump impeachment. I think really what happens here is if Trump is not impeached, it hurts down ballot Republicans Hmm. because it paints a clear picture of a lawful party and a lawless party. And if you are for good government, and you are for lawfulness, then you're going to vote for a Democrat. If you're going to vote for the people who absolved a the criminal, then you're going to vote for a Republican. The choice has never been clearer in our society. You know, Republicans now in, their, in supporting Trump have abdicated all claims they ever had to uh, higher ground, moral higher ground, um, public safety higher ground. Uh, military higher ground. They have no high ground to run on because they've abdicated all the things they've always said for decades to support a criminal president.
2: So I'm, I'm seeing a lot of, of people, Republicans who are now looking at their own careers. Mm -hmm. So with regard to what you just said, they know they've got to do something because it's starting to look like Trump is going down. And they don't want to go down with him. So I think those numbers in the Senate could very well. I mean, and this this is me looking into my crystal ball, but but in part based on um, the the facts, the polling, the data that we have now, it looks like we could maybe get what we are looking for in the Senate that that they could vote to, impeach remove him from right office.
1: if i remember correctly a republican pundit said if it was secret vote was held today 30 senators would vote uh to impeach trump 30 republican senators would vote to impeach trump to which mitt romney senator from um utah replied it's 35. whoa so i think behind the scenes people know what's going on and i think that's why we're seeing people more willing to defy trump on syria we're seeing Mitch McConnell leaving himself room uh, by disagreeing with a, a statement Trump made that was a lie. He didn't support the lie. Um, we're seeing John Thune distance himself and and prepare to say, this is just too awful. That's what we're seeing right now. We're seeing daylight come between the Republican Senate and the president because they don't want to go down with him.
2: So on a somewhat related topic, last show, we talked about the, the debate and how well Bernie did in that debate. And we thought that he would, we both agreed that he was the winner. Right. Um, what has the polling showed since then? Well, I
1: Were said he, he would write? gain five points and he hasn't quite gained five points, but mm. he's certainly gained three. The, I do think he's made it a three-person race again. And I think his uh, big rally and endorsement from progressive superstar Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez has really helped him. Um, You know, that's it was kind of a funny thing because, you know, when asked why she, she was supporting him instead of Elizabeth Warren, she said, well, we're all basically in the same tent. Which I think was leaving herself an opening. But the fact is she endorsed Bernie Sanders because he endorsed her when she was running. And that was all negotiated right then. Mm-hmm. I'll endorse you now in 2018 if you endorse me in 2020. And that's right. how that stuff works. Yes. You know, I'll scratch your back if you scratch mine. Yes. Um, it was a particularly uncomfortable performance for her, I think, because she's trying to come off as authentic and, and um, didn't quite feel comfortable to me. She didn't quite look comfortable to me as she was. Doing what she was doing. It's interesting.
2: So it kind of looks like if it's back to a three-person race. Um, when is the next debate? It's in November, right?
1: Yeah, there'll be another one in November. I don't know the date, but we'll we'll keep you posted.
2: All right. So that'll be interesting. Yeah. I'm. I'm. Are, do you think the network is going? Is it going to be an MSNBC? Yes. Is that the one? And yes. do you think the network is going to set higher standards yet to get people? To to narrow the the stage?
1: (laughs) Yeah, well, that's actually the the Democratic Party that sets those standards. They say what the thresholds are that people have to reach. Um, And they are more strict, but they're still not strict enough. I think we'll still have 10 people. I'm predicting we'll have 10 people. Right now, I think we have six who've already qualified. Good grief. Probably won't see... Tulsi Gabbard, Julian Castro, some of the others, you know, backbenchers, we probably won't see them. Tom Steyer may get back in. I don't know. I don't think he particularly helped himself in this debate.
2: Uh, Yeah, I I had a, uh, a conversation with a friend who listens to our podcast and he said, you know, I just, I disagree with you on, on Tom Steyer. He said, I'm an Elizabeth supporter. He said, but I think Tom Steyer really brought a lot to the discussion that night. And I said, well, he didn't get a whole lot of time to talk. Um, So that's hard to say. And when he did talk, it was a little boring um, to me. Um, You know, he, he may have said the right things, but I had a hard time paying attention to him in a field of 12 people. Um, and I sort of, my attitude towards Tom Steyer was colored a little bit by, he bought his way onto that stage. Yes, he had to get these donations from this many people and, and he did that. He did, but it takes money to get there.
1: Well, and interestingly enough, you know, what we learned a few debates ago was that uh, campaigns were paying 40, 60, or $80 to get dollar donations in terms of fundraising costs just so they can get on that stage. So they can get on that stage. The the, the low donor thresholds are ripe for um, doing exactly the opposite of what they're supposed to do. Yeah. And I think we may have seen that with Tom Steyer too. Now, I, I think Tom Steyer does bring a lot to the conversation, the public conversation. I, do. I don't think he brings anything to the office of the White House. He has no public service experience. He has no government experience. Well, I, either does Trump well, yes, obviously. <laughs> and that proves your point. <laughs> I think, um, we really need somebody who understands how government works to unwrap and undo this mess that Trump has made and restore our, you know, credibility in the world and
2: and somebody um, that 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 really respects the Constitution and the rule of law right
1: and knows and has read it at, at including that phony emoluments cases. clause as Trump called oh, the it
2: phony emoluments clause
1: the phony oh, emoluments clause of the constitution that's written in the constitution not made up by the washington post
2: yeah or the fake new york times is that what he calls it
1: Now, in the fake new york times who he's not going to subscribe to anymore you know the idea that the white house pays for subscriptions to newspapers is ludicrous
2: i just <laughs> you know i i have I have violent ideation when I listen to him speak, so I try not to do that very often because I just I just want to smack him.
1: Well, you know, if you listen to him once a week, you know what he said the rest of the week. <laughs> so save yourself the misery.
2: Well, I I made a mistake, and this morning I was watching. I think it was this morning. I started watching him. He was there were a, a lot of people looked like uh, law enforcement, and he he was there to make some sort of speech. I assumed to honor them and the reporters were behind him. So he turned around and just started laying into the reporters because they Mm. asked him a question about something and he made the entire thing about him. And, and he just kept saying, see, these, these guys know, and you know, it's just, Oh God, you making them as though they were all on his side. Right. And it, 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 photo I, I watched for about three minutes, and I'm just like, stand this anymore.
1: <laughs> well, Trump also today said that he was responsible for the peace in uh, Syria, the ceasefire. Now, God,
2: he's responsible for the
1: deaths. He's only responsible for that because he gave, green-lighted the war. He green-lighted the genocide. That's right. And because that resulted in a ceasefire, brokered, by the way, between the Turks and Russians. The Russians are are now the new uh, power base in the Middle East. He basically gave the Middle East to the Russians.
2: Yeah, he did. He he he's giving so much to the Russians, and and everything just seems to lead back to to uh, the Russians
1: and to Putin. But what other great? Well, no, wait a second. What other great elected official said that besides you? I think Nancy Pelosi may have said that to his face. Uh,
2: yeah, maybe, maybe. Maybe I that just I heard that and I repeated yeah. it and I didn't even know that I was Terrific. plagiarizing her. But um what what was your take on the fact that Pence was taking credit for brokering the um the ceasefire?
1: Well, I think it's this is the same that happens on a city level when um the the um, mayor bribes a company to come relocate there. It didn't cause the company to relocate there, but it allows the mayor to take credit for it. So Pence going to the Middle East uh, allowed him to take credit for it, but he actually had nothing to do with it. We're not in charge in the Middle East anymore. Hmm. We're not calling the shots in Syria or in Iraq. Now Iraq has said that if you bring any soldiers over here from Syria, you have two weeks to get them out. <laughs> so... We we don't have any friends there. We don't have any friends there at
2: all. And and our our reputation, I, we, what we have done to the people there has just been uh, atrocious. They will never trust us again. They have no reason to trust us. I I I want to send messages to them. I, I want them to know this is not America. This is not who we are. This this is one man. This is one man. Mm-hmm. That that is doing this and please hang in there. We're gonna make this different. We're gonna make it better.
1: And this crazy, awful, selfish behavior is another reason we're winning. Because even if you might have supported Trump at one time, after two years of two and a half years of watching him work, mm-hmm. you know, he's being abandoned by suburban voters, the so called Trump triers. He's being abandoned, uh, the polling shows by um, Farmers, support among yeah. farmers dropped 10 points in, I want to say, three weeks
2: recently. Blue collar workers who are losing their jobs.
1: The mainstay of Trump's support has always been men and women, white men and women without a college degree. He's now lost white women without a college degree. And his support has eroded among white men without a college degree. But a majority of, of college-educated people, a majority of uh, non-college-educated women, we're not at a majority of farmers yet, but we're close. All of these people, he's, you know, peddled away their support. Look at the reaction among the military of abandoning the Kurds. Look at what the Green Brain yeah, folks happen. had to say about that. And look at how the Kurds reacted, throwing potatoes at us as we were cutting and running. Uh, he brought a lot of shame to the military, and I don't think they will forget that. On election day
2: and the biggest help the biggest um force behind trump's demise Mm -hmm. is trump himself
1: it's trump himself he's his own worst enemy
2: yeah and and he's too damn stupid to know it i can't (laughs) believe i'm 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 publicly saying this about our nation's leader our, our president, this this is just ludicrous. What, what you're saying is you really believe that there's great reason for hope. Am I overstating it?
1: No, I think there's great reason for hope. I think the likeliest scenario is that he doesn't get reelected uh, if he has a chance to be reelected. Because I think impeachment is looking more and more possible every day. And mm. with every new whistleblower, every testimony from the State Department that he tried to squash, Uh, These people are coming out, and when their testimony becomes public and they testify in public, a nation that's already a majority in favor of impeachment and removal will uh, rise quickly. Wow. And it may be untenable for Republicans to stay connected to Trump.
2: Wow. Yeah, because sooner or later they're going to have to realize that the, the, the writing is on the wall. They're going down too, that Trump is going down, and they are as well. Wow. Okay. So now I know what to say to my friends the next time they come to me with all of their fears. And that's really what it is. It's fear. It's, you know, these are good people. And yeah, they're more moderate than they are liberal. They're not quite as progressive as me. Um, You know, my friends keep me somewhat balanced, but Mm -hmm. they're not keeping me balanced right now. They're, They're like pulling me down into the pits of despair. And it's like, no, you can't do that. Jimmy, thank you. Because this really, truly did help me. I understand that this is not just wishful thinking on my part. We have reason to be hopeful here and, and we oh, have yeah. to, to continue to, to keep our spirits up and not accept that um, failure in this route is, is a foregone conclusion anyway. So thank you.
1: Yeah. And it's our job to bring the hopeless people up, not their job to yeah. bring us down.
2: Yeah. I think that's what good leaders should be doing. Well, that is our show for today, Jimmy. I am Victoria Steele
1: from Tucson. And I'm Jimmy Zuma in Washington, D.C. Uh, thanks for joining us. Be sure to subscribe. Be sure to um, like us, uh, like our Facebook app. We're on Twitter. We're, on, uh, we're not on Instagram yet. We have to rectify that soon, but we will oh, yeah. be soon. And make sure you tell your friends about, wait, what? Politics with Zuma and Steele. Thanks for joining us. Bye, Jimmy. Bye, Victoria. And bye to you.
0: Well, that's it for today's show. If you find yourself saying, wait, what? Don't worry, we'll be back next week. Subscribe to Wait, What? Politics with Zuma and Steele on your favorite podcast app or visit waitwhat.media and try out our quick takes. So here's the thing, commentary from Victoria Steele and the Zop, topical explainers from Jimmy Zuma. I'm Monica Price.